0: All right, so we are officially into the new year. As the ushers uh, wrap up collecting the offering, we'll go ahead and jump right in. Uh, we are officially now a good solid week into the new year. Do me a favor, raise your hand if you made a resolution of some sort. I don't need to know what it is. That's pretty weak, really, only that many of you care about change. Okay. All right, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up proudly if now seven plus days into the new year, you are holding strong. Good job. I made a couple of resolutions and I'm going to remake them today (laughs) because I've already stopped. One of them was to eat healthier. I'm going to remake them today after lunch. Because, I mean, let's be honest, Uh, I'm not awesome at it. But anyway, uh, here's the deal. We are jumping off in the new year, and and we are just going to start with a brief couple of weeks on intentional living. And and today, specifically, we're going to talk about intentional growth. Hey, you guys know I love Riley, right? For those of you that don't know, Riley's my oldest um, 24-year-old kiddo, 25, in May, Whew, I'm not that old yet. Uh, Riley is my 24-year-old. Don't tell her I said that, or that I told you this story. Um, but there was a time when Riley was 10. And we lived um, in just this little neighborhood, and we had a yard that had two trees. But the way she acted when we asked her to rake leaves, you would think that we lived in that yard. <laughs> but no, it wasn't true. There was just a yard. Was Two trees. Um, and they were big trees, but there were just two of them, and we asked her directly, put them in a pile. We'll take care of them from there. Put them in a pile, and um, there was a birthday party we were supposed to get to. Um, somebody from church had, a, had a, a new baby. Well, it was a one-year-old. It was a one-year-old birthday party. Those are good times. You know there's going to be good cake at a one-year-old's birthday party, and so we said, Riley, you know what? We, we're going to go in a, in a couple hours, but we want you to rake up the yard first, Okay, and she went outside and she was out there about fifteen minutes and she came in. All done. Are you sure? Oh yeah, yep, done. Go look out the window. Honey, honey, you're not you're not done. See all those leaves out there? Oh, you meant the whole yard. Okay, I got it now. Goes back out, comes back in a half hour. We did this, I swear to you, like three or four different times where she would come in and say, I'm done. I'm finished. And we would say, oh, We're not sure. So finally, the last time I said, Riley, are you sure you're done? Oh, I'm sure it's finished. They're, okay, I'm glad you're sure because here's the deal I'm not going to go check. But we're going to have to walk out that door when it's time to go to the birthday party. And if the yard's not done, then mom's going to have to go without us. And we're going to have to stay here and finish leaves. Oh, no, it's done. Got it all. We open the door, it's time to go, we walk out, and <laughs> I mean, come on, it wasn't done. You've got kids, you know how this works. It wasn't done. <laughs> so Riley and I stayed home, and Carrie went to the birthday party by herself, and I didn't get cake, and uh, everything worked out other than that. But Riley's problem was that she, she took an attitude of lazy, lackadaisical. Kind of this idea in that moment, Paul, are you raising, are you volunteering that that? You were agreeing with, that's what I'm saying. Paul's like, I'm in, I'm on it. I can do this. Yeah, but here's the problem, is there was no intentionality in what she was doing. And you know what, in my life, I'm going to be honest with you, I struggle sometimes with being intentional in my behavior. Kind of what I like to do is I like to sit back and wait and hope that things will accidentally happen and that they'll go well for me. Uh, But I fail to be intentional. In fact, we've got some good friends called the Hobbins. Some of you have met them. They visit us. Uh, Now, Charles and Heather, they're like the opposite of us. They go on vacations with itineraries. They're like Clark Griswold, for all of you that remember National Lampoons Vacation. Like they they go and, and when they go out on like little getaway weekends, they have questions typed up and distributed to one another so they know what they're gonna talk about at dinner. <laughs> Seriously. But there are times, there are times when Carrie and I look at each other and we're like, oh, we got ourselves in a predicament again, and this would never happen to the Hobbins. <laughs> this would never happen to the Hobbins because something good happens when you're intentional. Okay, When you're intentional about things, they tend to happen better than when you're lackadaisical about things. And we all could stand to use, when it comes to our spiritual growth, a little bit of intentionality. So we look at this, being, and Bethany covered this a little bit, but being intentional simply means that I'm doing something on purpose. That, that when something happens, I, I, I make an effort to do it well. I'm doing it on purpose. I'm doing it in a way that's deliberate. It's something that I want to accomplish. And here's the reality in life, guys. There are two ways things happen. They happen with intention, or they happen accidentally. And far too often when it comes to our spiritual growth, what we do is we become Christians, we show up at church, and we get to church... And what we hope is that accidentally just by being in church that we'll grow in our faith. And you know who's really, 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 I'm going to ruffle some feathers probably, but you know who's really, really bad at this? It's people that have been Christians a long time. Because people that have been Christians a long time tend to think, I've got this. I have this figured out and I'll show up at church, and if I happen to grow a little bit, that'll be awesome. But if not, it's okay, because I've been a Christian for a long time, and I just need to be there. But the reality is, growth doesn't happen without intention. Okay, and we see that so clearly in the Word. We see it uh, marked out. Um, The reality is, guys, you just won't grow without intentionality. Hey, How many of you, this is a thing, this was never a thing, I don't know if it's new this year or if it's just new to me because I'm on Facebook now. This is my first new year on Facebook, so maybe people always did this, but how many of you have picked a word for this year? You can be brave, it's okay, put your hands up high. So you've picked words for this year. Like, and I thought to myself, that's weird, it's weird to pick a word for the year. I mean, what happens if you get a few months in and you decide you want a different word? but you've already ordered your t-shirt with the one word. Yeah, Mike's got the look on it. I had that same thing. It's like a word. So my word for the year would be like honesty. Like this year, I'm going to really work to be honest. I mean, I don't know how this works, and, but people do this. And, and if I was thinking, well, if I had to pick a word, what would my word be? My word would be revival. We've talked about that at this church for a long time. My word would be revival. What I want, what I desire is revival. And I need to tell you something here. Some of you, when I talk revival, your eyes glaze over and you don't care. But for those of you that are interested in revival, it will not happen unless you choose to be intentional. It just won't. Revival in your life, revival in your family, revival with the people that you know and care about that need to know who Jesus Christ is, revival will never happen unless you choose to be intentional intentional. Revival is not something that will accidentally happen. We'll see that as we get into our text this morning. Go ahead and open your Bibles up to Romans 12. We're going to look at just two verses, Romans 12, uh, and we're going to break this down pretty good here, but we'll start with uh, verse 1, and it just says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to live in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. That's Romans 12.1. So therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So now we'll start with just that text. And what we're saying there in just that first little bit, I urge you in view of God's mercy, is simply this. Therefore, obviously tells us that what he's about to say has a purpose. And, and we read there that it's in view of God's mercy that everything else that Paul is going to say, that's the reason for it. Okay. And that makes sense to us. As if you know the book of Romans, the book of Romans is a book that's written to a group of Christians that tells them the reality of the gospel. The book of Romans starts off by telling um, people that they're sinners, that all people have sinned and fall short of the goal, And I know we hate that. We hate to talk about sinning in church. We hate to talk about, uh, about everybody being wrong. I know we don't love that in church today, but the reality is the Bible teaches that we are all sinners separated from the God of the universe because of our sin and that there is no one that's righteous, God says earlier on in the book of Romans. Paul writes this for us. There is no one that's righteous. No, not a single person. There is nobody that's good with God. There is nobody that has a right to stand before God. There is nobody that gets to claim God as their father. There is nobody that gets to punch their ticket for heaven. There is nobody at all that is worthy of a relationship with the God of the universe. That's how Paul starts Romans. He says, you are all sinners. Oh, and by the way, because he really wants to pour it on thick. Here's what he tells us next. Um, The wages of sin, what you get paid for your sin, what you earn with your sin... Is death. And that death is not just physical death, it's eternal death. And he says, So the wages of sin, you're all sinners. The wages of sin is death. Paul says, this is your reality, but then he says, Oh, wait. There's good news. And the good news is Jesus. Ephesians 2.3, I'm sorry, 2-8 says it this way. It says, For all um, I'm sorry, no, that I was doing Romans, but, but Ephesians 2 8 simply says this that Salvation comes by grace through faith. See, this is Paul's whole statement. Paul's whole statement is you are broken and messy and a sinner. You are destined for an eternity in hell, separated from God. Oh, hey, Jesus is awesome. Jesus loves you. Jesus offers you salvation. When you accept salvation from Jesus, everything is right again. Everything is good. Everything is fixed. All of those things that you weren't entitled to, now you are. All of those things that were away from you, now they're yours. Salvation comes to us by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. When that happens, everything is changed. And so Paul says now in Romans 12, he says, Therefore, in light of that great mercy, in light of that truth, offer yourself. Offer your bodies as living sacrifice. I mean, think about this. I am jacked up. Man, I am broken. I am gross. I mess up all the time. There is nothing inherently good or right about me. But God looks at me and see something worth having and he offers Jesus Christ as a way for me to be right with him as a way for me to have a relationship with him and Paul says in view of that truth offer yourself as a living sacrifice see that's what he says in view of that truth you offer yourself as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God and you know I, I hate to bore you with grammar because let's be honest, there's nothing more boring than grammar, unless you teach that, in which case, it's really awesome. for other people to learn. But the thing that you need to know in the original language here about this um, call to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice um, you don't really care, but I'm tell you anyway, that is actually offered in the present perfect which means it is not just a one-time deal. Remember we said some of the worst culprits of this are Christians who've been Christians for a long time who have viewed this as a one-time exchange. It's not a one-time exchange. Paul's telling us here that you are to continually offer your body as a living sacrifice, not one time. This is something that you do continually, all the time. Some of you struggle with this idea of a works-based salvation. What saves me? Is it grace that saves me? Is it my good behavior that saves me? Is it a combination of my grace and my good behavior that saves me? What exactly saves me? This is something that we all struggle with to a degree, but what we read right here is that it's a very clear one, then, two. What Paul says is, is because of the fact that you are saved by grace... That happens first. You are a sinner. You are saved by grace. Salvation comes by grace through faith, not through faith, plus other things that you do. Salvation comes by grace through faith. And because of that, in view of that, in light of that truth, this is how you reasonably respond. You offer yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. See, some of you here You've got part A down, but you haven't quite figured out part B. You've decided that you know what—I am a sinner saved by grace. God has given me—I um, I, am—I am now new in Christ. But you haven't figured out that there is a reasonable response for that truth. Some of you just take that truth and you put it in your pocket, and you're like, "Yes, now I am—I am made new. That's—that's that's it. I'm a Christian." But you walk out of here and you're like, it doesn't have to have any impact on my Monday through Saturday. I mean, let's be honest, it doesn't even have to, for some of us, have any impact from our our Sunday afternoon to our next Sunday morning when we show up at church. But what Paul says is that you must grow. You grow simply because God has done this. The growing doesn't save you. The growing happens because you've been saved. And this imagery of a living sacrifice is so perfect. See, here's what happens. He says, I I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Paul's audience understood very clearly the issue of sacrifice. The old covenant, which is the way that people were right with God before Jesus. The old covenant was this. You wanted your sins covered, you would go to the temple you would bring your best, perfect, spotless lamb. This gets gross, I'm sorry. The lamb would be slaughtered. The blood from the lamb would be taken, and it would be sprinkled on the altar, on the horns of the altar. It would cover the altar, and that blood of the perfect, spotless lamb would be a temporary covering for your sin. So that blood from that animal would temporarily cover my sin so that God could be in relationship with me because my sin has been paid for, temporarily. My future sin hasn't been paid for. I still have to deal with that. That's why i got to come back next week with another lamb i got to come back again and have this whole thing done over again. But what Paul's been teaching them is that was the old system, the new covenant, the new thing since Jesus, is you don't have to do that anymore. Jesus did that for you. Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. That's the whole point of the cross, is that God knows that you're going to mess up. God knows you're going to screw up, and it's not going to be just a one-time done thing. He knows it's going to happen, but the whole point of the cross is that Jesus is the perfect sacrifice so that your sins are covered when you follow him. And so Paul says, now in light of that, you don't have to make a physical sacrifice anymore. But you know what you do have to do? Now you have to be a living sacrifice. That's what Jesus says. If we look at Luke chapter 9, that's what Jesus says, starting in verse 21. Jesus warned his disciples... Uh, the Son of Man must suffer many terrible things. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. And then this is the thing he says that we hate. That we get. We're like, okay, we understand that. Okay, we need that for Easter, right? Without that, we don't get Easter. But he says this thing that we love to skip. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. What do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you or yourself are lost or destroyed? So here's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, look, no longer do you need to make a physical sacrifice. Because of Jesus, because of a new covenant, no longer do you have to make a physical sacrifice. So that you can be right with God. That's Jesus' job. But here's what he says: He says, in response to what Jesus does, you now are the sacrifice. You now offer yourself. You now offer yourself as a spiritual sacrifice. When Jesus says, you pick up your cross and you follow me, he is not saying physically pick up a cross and walk the same road that I'm about to walk. But he is saying, I'm going to die. I'm going to put myself out there. They are going to put me to death. You need to spiritually do the same thing every single day. And I'm going to be honest with you. That just because it's spiritual doesn't mean that it's less real. We have a problem in that we, we physical we understand because physical we can look at and physical we can touch, but spiritual is just as real. It's just as real. And it's something that we have to understand that Jesus calls us as a response to who we are. And then I love how he says it. He says, it is your proper way to worship. This is your true and proper worship. You know what happened at our house this last week? Carrie told Aubrey to clean under her bed and out from under her dresser and from under the futon. She told Aubrey to clean. Aubrey said, my room's clean. It was like Riley all over again. Man, you kids. It was like Riley all over again. She's like, my room's clean. No, it's not. Look, I'm looking under your bed and I'm looking under your your futon and there's all kinds of garbage and trash and papers and hair ties and everything else. Clean it up. You would have thought, I mean, you would have thought that we asked her to build us a brand new house, the way that she responded. Like, you've gotta be kidding me. Like, I'm supposed to clean up under that. That's gonna take me forever. You guys just had kids, so you could make us do all the work. (laughs) Like, not realizing that if we didn't have to pay for kids, I could hire an army of butlers and maids (laughs) and still come out on top except I wouldn't need an army of butlers or maids because my house would be clean. (laughs) Birthed her, paid that hospital bill, okay? Paid every other medical bill she's had, feed her, clothe her, shelter, right? Um, Not only that, but prayed for, loved her emotionally, poured out for her, cared for, given her everything that we possibly have to give, and she says, yeah, I don't know, Dad. Cleaning under my bed seems like it's a little bit much. <laughs> yes, please give her grief when you see her later. But we're saying is, no, 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 Aubrey, dear. That's only reasonable that we ask you to clean up under your bed. This is what Paul's saying here. He's saying, We're saying, man, he wants us to die to ourselves every day. He wants us to give everything for Jesus. Why in the world would we do that? That's asking a lot. And Paul says, are you kidding me? It is only reasonable considering what he has done for you. You were a sinner. You were separated from God. You were destined to an eternity in hell, but he loved you. He poured grace on you. He's cared for you. He has given you a way of salvation by sacrificing Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus gives himself up on the cross so that you and I can have a relationship with God, not just now, but for eternity. And and we're saying, oh yeah, God, that was great, but cleaning under the futon seems like it's a bit much. But Paul says, no, look, it's only reasonable This is reasonable. This is how you act. This is what you do. And we say, okay, fine. Matt, that's great. But what does it mean? How do I die to myself every day? How do I do that? Simple. Okay, he tells us right here, we don't conform to the pattern of the world, but we be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Then and only then will we know what God's perfect pleasing will is for us. This is what he says. He says, you ready to be intentional? You ready to grow? Then here's what you do. You be intentional and you grow. It's not complicated. See, some of us think this Christian faith, this is really complicated. It is not complicated at all. It's really not complicated. I'm going to give you the secret right here. Okay? Do it. You just do it. you be transformed instead of being conformed. You know the difference there? Uh, when you act in ways that are radically different than regular people, you're being transformed. When you do what the Bible says, you're being transformed. When you're angry, but you choose to forgive, you're being transformed. When you hold a grudge and hang on to something, then you're being conformed. You look exactly like the rest of the world. When you're conformed, that means you start acting like you fit in. You're doing the same thing that everybody else that doesn't have Jesus does. See, this is what it comes down to. If you're following Jesus, then you're going to look different than people that aren't following Jesus. And we're not mad at them for that. We're not angry at them for that. They don't have Jesus. They're not supposed to look different, but we have Jesus. We are supposed to be transformed. And this is what he says. He says, Look, you want to know how to grow. You want to know how to make yourself a living sacrifice every day, continually, all because of what God's done for you. Then this is it. Start acting like Jesus. Stop acting like everybody else does. That's it, it's not complicated. Stop doing things that God says don't do. Um, But Matt, that's hard. Yeah, I know. Clean under your bed. I know. But Matt, that takes work. Yeah, I know. Rake the leaves. Get them in a big pile. It's going to be okay. Or don't. But then don't be surprised that you're not growing. Don't be surprised that you're still stuck in the same spot you were at this time last year. You can't have it both ways. You want to grow, then you make intentional decisions to be transformed. How do I be transformed? How does it work? You know what? It's not complicated. Show up at church. Show up at church. Make it a priority to be in the Word. Make it a priority to hear from God. Make it a priority to be around people that love Jesus. Don't say, oh, I love Jesus, but I would really rather sleep in on Sunday morning because I was really up late having a few drinks on Saturday night. We had to make the decision at our house not so long ago that only kids that spend the night at our house on Saturday nights are kids that are coming to church with us on Sunday morning. And the reason we had to make that decision is because it was far too easy to wake up and be like, yeah, no, I'm just... We're tired. We played video games all night. I mean, all night. They're waking us up at like three in the morning playing Madden. Like, you go outside and play football. No, 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 we'll play it on the video game. But we said, no, no, we have to be intentional because church is a priority. So we're going to show up at church. Read your Bible every single day. I I mean, if I asked you to honestly raise your hand, if you read your Bible more than once this week, this morning doesn't count. When I said open up to Romans 12, that doesn't count. But if I asked you to raise your hand, if you read your Bible more than once this past week, statistically speaking, I'd have about 5% of you, much less reading it every single day day, but you say, man, I want to grow. I want to be more like Jesus. Then stop saying you want to be more like Jesus and be intentional about being more like Jesus. Show up at church, read your Bible, pray, join a small group. Man, I really wish I could make some relationships. I really wish I could have people around me that could tell me the truth and that could help me grow. I really wish there were people I could be around that would encourage me and that would help me in my faith. Stop saying that I want that and go have it be intentional this again this isn't complicated and here's this last one that everybody hates but i got to tell you anyway (sighs) listen if you want to grow to be more like jesus that's the praise team to come up and get ready to close us out and i just want to share this thing with you here if you want to grow to be more like jesus then you need to ruthlessly cut out sin from your life Because get this: you will not grow to be more like Jesus if you knowingly, willingly sin. I sin every day. I do. I mean, I'm, I'm just going to love I sin every day. I am a sinner saved by grace, and I am trying, every day to grow, and I sin. Okay? I make mistakes. I get angry. I say things I shouldn't. I snap at people. I have thoughts I shouldn't have. This is this, it's just the way that it works. But here's the deal. Okay? which you have to cut out of your life, and, and you need to grow in those areas when they happen, and you recognize, you confess them to God, and you ask him to help you be better, and you read the word, and you tell people that can encourage you to grow, but what I'm talking about when I say this ruthlessly sin out of your life, I'm talking about the things that you do, and while you're doing them, you know that you're doing something God says no to. While you're having sex with that person, you know, you're not confused about the fact that God says sex outside of marriage is not okay, While you're watching that thing on the internet, you are not confused about the fact that God has said, this is not okay for you. While you are screaming, as I'm screaming at you, (laughs) out of anger at the guy that cut you off in the road, you know, you're not confused about this. Well, you're harboring hatred against somebody that's wronged you in the past. You're not confused about what that is. You want to grow, then you have got to cut those things out of your life. You cannot honestly say, God, I want to be more like Jesus as long as it doesn't include these parts of my life. God will never honor that. It just won't work. So I'm going to ask you this morning, we're going to stand and sing. Okay? Go ahead and stand. And as we sing, I'm going to ask you if there's something in your life, whether it's reading every day whether it's making church a regular part of your, or your week, if it's joining a small group, whatever it is, if it's cutting some kind of sin out of your life, I'm going to ask you to make that commitment to God right now. Here's the deal. I don't need to know what it is, but if you'd like the accountability of having somebody ask you and encourage you and follow up, you are more than welcome to share with me, share with somebody that brought you, share with somebody here, okay? But, but I encourage you to make this decision. Take your growth seriously, because if you won't, then you won't move. Heavenly Father God, we thank you so much. We thank you that while we were still sinners that you died for us so that we could have forgiveness of sins. We thank you for the fact that it is not complicated. That it's simply a matter of admitting that we need a savior and that Jesus, the Son of God, died on a cross, resurrected on the 3rd day that he is the one that can provide us with that salvation. And Father, but not just acknowledging it, but then striving to follow him. Father, we thank you that the Christian life is not complicated. It takes intentionality. It takes trust. It takes faith when things get hard, but it's not complicated. It's not hard to figure out what it is that you desire from us. God, we love you. We praise you. We ask that you go with us as we attempt to live intentionally, that is, as we attempt to live with intention to grow and strive and be who you've called us to be. God, we love you and we praise you. Amen.